Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Move Pulp film. This is a commission by generous bald mover Sheldon, who pulled the trigger on Jurassic Park from 1993. Um, this movie is directed, of course, by Steven Spielberg, based on a m- novel by Michael Crichton, uh, it's scored by the incomparable Johnny Williams, uh, and it stars a bunch of people. Sam Neill, uh, who one of my favorite movies, uh, Hunt for Red October, also mm. from Event Horizon. Yeah, uh, he just was on Apple TV's Invasion. Is any is you saw one episode of that? Was he any good in that? Eh. Oh yeah, he's eh. fine in that. He's he's good in that. It's just eh on the show. The show's kind of eh. Laura Dern uh, from Mask, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart. Recently, she's been in Big Little Lies, Marriage Story, Little Women. Jeff Goldblum from The Fly, Independence Day, Earth Girls Are Easy, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zazu. <laughs> Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. Richard Attenborough uh, from Miracle on 34th Street. Also the Oscar yeah. win- uh, award winning director of the movie Gandhi. Joseph Mazzello, which I thought this guy had never been in anything. I'm like, ah, I wonder what happened to that little kid in Jurassic Park. Turns out he's been in a lot of stuff. He played Sledge in the Pacific on HBO. He's also in the Social, ne- social Network. He played John Deacon, the bassist of Queen in Bohemian Rhapsody. Hmm. Also stars Ariana Richards, who was the pogo stick girl in Tremors, and she pretty much is retired from acting. Uh, she's a, she's an artist and singer now. Sam Jackson. Sam mm-hmm. Jackson. The man before, needs no introduction. Before he was, he had his big day in the sun. Before he was a bad motherfucker. Yeah. He was a sysop on Jurassic Park. We're going to talk about it. And Wayne Knight. Uh, Newman from Seinfeld finally BD Wong rounding out the yeah. bald move favorites uh, the villainous white rose from Mr. Robot fresh faced baby faced BD Wong in Jurassic Park uh, thank you Sheldon for your generous support of bald move and commission this podcast Jim what do you think of Jurassic Park you have any thoughts you seen the movie uh yeah this was not the first time I've seen this movie <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you grew up in the 90s you saw this movie come on uh, it was the top grossing movie period period ever uh when it came out so everybody saw this movie i absolutely love this movie i don't think it's perfect i think there are a couple of mistakes in this movie but by and large it's so enjoyable from from the music to the acting to the story to the production it, it's all it's all great but what is not to like about this movie Man, and Spielberg is just a master at building tension. Yes. At like narrative. Like the first act of this movie, it's every so scene is doing triple and quadruple duty. Yeah. Everything is doing something to set up something else. That in the first film scene is without, brilliant. Without even feeling like it's doing it. Like, yeah. you know, you meet these guys and you instantly know, like, and it's just, it's just such a con- economics of storytelling, such great tension that he uses and, and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, and especially, I think comes out in the editing too. A the, sense of like, wonder. Uh, I feel like Steven Spielberg is able to ca- capture the the feeling of wonder so well. He does this with the ET. He does this with a lot of his stuff. Yeah, this isn't like Jaws. These things are not filmed as monsters, although they are sometimes more scary. Sure, but like you're right. The first time we see the dinosaurs isn't like a scream moment. It, it well, I, mean, I guess the first time we see them, it is on majesty. I remember people that I was with seeing this movie wept. At that scene, sure. Just because it's like an emotion, like my God. I mean, I think everybody, boy or girl, grows up liking dinosaurs just a little bit. Oh yeah, you know. 
and seeing them and seeing toys of them and Barney the Dino, all, all this kind of stuff, uh, Godzilla, whatever you, your childhood relationship with these things are, and seeing them on the screen and this kind of taken seriously, this plausible, this well realized. Yeah. And also, this was the dawn, like, we were still in the era of stop motion. Yeah. And I don't think anybody had ever seen this kind of detailed 3D modeling uh, at the time. It, it was like Spielberg and James Cameron. Were, were the two guys who were doing like groundbreaking CG stuff in, in their big budget movies during this time. And the year before this T2, the groundbreaking exactly. thing was a liquid metal man. That the could kind of look like anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah. no textures, the light, like the, and mm-hmm. this is like, you know, you're seeing these for better or worse at full brightness. And we'll talk about that. Cause again, this movie is going on 30 years old. You can see some of the seams, but it's actually sure. kind of amazing how, I think it it really does hold up uh, from a visual spectacle. The storytelling and all yeah. is still great for the most part. Oh yeah, um, I was really into this. I was really into science fiction. I followed a lot at, at this stage. I you know was buying my own fanzines because I had a little bit of pocket money, and you know like I was hip to like I loved uh, the original novel. And there's big news because he like Michael Crichton had optioned this for a couple million dollars before the novel had even been produced. Uh, written and it's jurassic park and i read it and it's just such a great idea and it like had this like you know this really cool cutting edge punk rock uh chaos theory kind of stuff that was interesting mm. I, I thought it was very interesting and i'm like man how are they going to make this into a movie and because there's like so much like science and exposition and stuff and we give <laughs> the one of the most talented filmmakers of all time and uh have him tell the story and, and a screenwriter who decided hey we need to jettison 90 80-90% of this movie or this novel to to actually make this movie work and I I think it works yeah yeah for sure Um, do we want to I tell you what let's get with uh, people what it's about (laughs) I want to give Sheldon their introduction then we'll do the I'm sure everyone has seen this movie but maybe not we'll give you a little spoiler free breakdown I think I think it's thumbs way up it's also like I know a lot of bald move fans have HBO Max it's a free stream right now Uh in glorious 4k my god it looks looks amazing Uh, Sheldon says Jurassic Park is probably the movie I can point to that made me one love sci-fi movies and two just big summer movies in general I remember watching it when I was very young in a hospital after I ripped my nail off my thumb from putting my hand under one of those teacup-shaped spinning playground sets. Oh, yeah. I know Ouch. What talking about. Ouch. Spin till you're sick. Uh, after all these years, about 27, 26 to 27 years, it's still one of my favorite movies. and holds up in terms of performance and design. Thank you very much, Sheldon. We appreciate uh, you commissioning a podcast. If uh, you know this, this perks your interest, you can go to uh, support.baldmove.com and check out how to commission a podcast. Um, Jurassic Park is about a is is about a man's singular vision to create a theme park that features real life dinosaurs. It's going to be a combination theme park and zoo, and it's a uh, uh, the 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 premise is the right before the park opens, there's been an industrial accident involving the unfortunate mixing of dinosaur and man. And the investors are panicked and they're sending experts there to investigate the park before it opens and kind of sign off. They bring on two paleontologists, uh, another scientist, a mathematician and a lawyer, and they're going to tour the park. Meanwhile, the park's founder 
uh, or the the uh, Walt Disney of this park is bringing his grandchildren here for inexplicable reasons. Something about his daughter's divorce. Mm-hmm. That mix of people are going to run headfirst into the wood chipper of chaos theory as it interacts with all the fine automation of this on all the science and all the control systems and go fucking berserk. And it is a like from the first act on this movie is a thrill ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I cannot recommend it enough. If this is your first watch <laughs> coming ahead of you, salute. Enjoy it. I, I um, do wonder. I do wonder how well it holds up to people who haven't seen it ever right now because the you CG really is a little shaky in, in, in some places. Uh huh. Yeah, you know what it is? It's I wonder how well this movie works if it's made today, I guess is the real thing I'm getting at. Like, does this movie impress as much if it's made how much in 2021? Trade off on wonder, yeah, that people might not feel because because we've seen everything. You know, we've seen everything on yeah. the screen. We've seen aliens coming down uh, in in huge numbers. We've seen thousands of people on battlefields. Like a dinosaur wouldn't be nearly as impressive now as it was in 1993. I think you're right, but I think it'll hold up the same way that Jaws holds up because, like Jaws, the shark once you see it is no longer scary. But by the time it shows up in the film, you're invested. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. see these little kids eaten by. Uh, dinosaurs. I don't want to see Jeff Goldblum sure. by dinosaurs. I don't want to see this nice lady Laura Dern. So like, yeah. And I think that the tension does work. Like I, I've seen this movie oh, a million sure. times, and still like the spoilers from here on out. By the way, but still like the elect the electrical climbing fence scene. Yes, like the 100%. way they cut between the those two very stressful situations. One that's yeah. stressful on the face of it. One that's only stressful because the of the audience. And that's that's just like yeah. straight up Hitchcock one hundred and one. But a fucking works yeah um and that t- the, t-rex scene is terrifying terrifying it's and it's so well woven in that like the 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 wayne knight stuff with the sam yeah. jackson stuff and them trying to figure it out with the like the people that are just kind of bored in the cars like oh, that's another glitch and then not realizing how wrong things oh it just it just builds and builds and builds for sure um, the, the thing i think maybe doesn't work quite as well as the those scenes of wonder that we talked about where you're you're yeah. seeing something that you got to remember in 1993 you've never seen anything like this the closest you've seen no. is like those shitty old stop motion uh dinosaur movies time godzilla it, right, man right. In suit. people yeah. in suits and shit like that this was an entirely different level. This was so fucking convincing in 1993 and you'd never seen anything like it. Nowadays, I every other every single movie has this level of special effects or better in it. Yeah, and I also I'll I'll say this too. Um I don't think people weep if they see it today because right. the the weeping was the seeing something this beautiful like this yeah. kind of majestic for the very first time and now like yeah you've seen for better or worse tons of dinosaurs done even better yeah. than this oh way um, better but i want to start talking about the special effects first because okay. one thing i was shocked when i did the research when i started doing research on this movie is spielberg was originally going to do stop motion because he's like, I just I've seen CG and I've seen what they can do with textures and the lighting. And it's just it's just not there to be convincing. I need a fizz. So mm-hmm. they did some test footage of the Velociraptors, like the the kitchen scene, um, you know, doing doing a scale model and, and miniatures and stop motion. And they did some motion blurring, and sophisticated like CGI, like art, you know, like, uh, you, you know, like compositing and stuff. And I guess Spielberg still is like, it just it just doesn't look real and he needed it to yeah. look real 
in 93 to kind of so they did something that no one had ever done before which is like these three these these uh this the cg and i think what's notable of this is like if you go back and think and we talked about this in the t2 podcast i'm sure when the T2 is doing its thing, it's mostly in dark environments. It's nighttime. There's fire and there's smoke and mist and fog. And mm-hmm. there's, there's things that can kind of hide. Plus, it's not textured. That's its thing. You yeah. know, um, the few times it is textured, it kind of looks, you know, like the floor, the checkered floor scene and stuff. Uh, you're not going to get away with shit. The first time you see these dinosaurs, it's in bright light, perfect right. conditions. They got to merge with the environment. And these are the scenes where, unfortunately, the cracks do show. Because if you yeah. pay attention to those Diplodocus's feet, they're not touching grass. Uh, right. They sell it with the sound effects, like the mm-hmm. thumping and the thumping, and like it feels solid and feels real. But like there is a certain weight about the dinosaurs and bright light that just doesn't quite work um, in that entry savannah scene. Yeah, no, I agree. The, the lighting doesn't quite match up with the daylight that they're in. Uh, everything everything feels textures, a little washed out. Yeah, the textures, textures are, are a little just blurry. bad. Yeah, they're not as high res as they would be now because like, you right. know, they, your phone has more fucking memory and processing power than the entire Silicon Graphics Right. installation that they probably fucking rendered this shit on. Oh, they they uh, for sure did. I, I noticed also that there are Silicon Graphics workstations in this movie. Uh, if you look the, around, the all Unix, those Unix uh-huh. systems are Silicon yeah, Graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want cool. to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I think the graphics at the time were so mind-blowing because to get some of those shots, they just had to have CG, right? Like the stop motion, yeah. they, they had this thing called Go Motion, which you talked about, like stop motion with a little motion blurring that didn't it didn't look good enough for spielberg the cg that they do in darkened spaces like with the velociraptors in the, the kitchen um some some of the stuff they do with like laura dern down in the the facility trying to flip the power back on that stuff all looks yep. great still to this yep. day um you'd have a hard time telling that from modern cg uh, but that's something you just couldn't do with animatronics, right? You'd have to go either right. stop motion, which would look fake as hell, or CG, which was barely able to do what they needed it to do at the time. And they did again. They and they they did a smart. I they didn't do everything in CG. Like no, that's a right. lot Sarah of the shots of the T Rex are yeah a big full scale appliance that was yeah. apparently terrifying, like. They uh-huh. when they would power this thing on, there would be like flashing lights and a siren, and it's like weighed twelve thousand pounds and could whip its head around, and it's like yeah. this big intimidating machine. The Triceratops, a real, it's a real animatronic. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the the insets at the Velociraptors, like their feet clicking and like their heads and all that. Yeah. So like there's they they do as much real stuff as they possibly can. That a lot of the the venom spitting frill thir- bird was a was a puppet too. Oh, the the best one, the one that I like yeah. the most, and I think looks the coolest. And I'm not actually sure how they got this effect. Is the eggs really the 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 dinosaurs breaking out of those eggs? Looks yeah, absolutely real. real. I I can't tell the difference between that and what a dinosaur would look like coming out of an egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. can't. No, um, I, I I think the only two parts that that struggle are the big savanna scene. Although I got to yeah. say that like the last few frames of that where they're filming it from like a blur there's like a heat motion blur like does uh, look from a real. distance it looks like it looks great um and the other one that doesn't quite work for me 
was the Velociraptors in the kitchen look good. But again, if you look at their feet when they're landing on the tables and stuff, they're just not touching that surface. Mm, and gotcha. it works really good when the, the, the T-Rex and the night in the mud and they can they put like some kind of particle splashing effect that hides it. That looks great. Mm-hmm. The T-Rex in the rain when it's got like a slick sheen and it, it's supposed to look like that. and It's dark. It looks. Yeah. yeah like it's it's seamless to transition between that and the animatronic. Um, but it's actually kind of impressive how well it does hold up. And I also think that this is as, as, as old and busted it's ever going to look like. I don't think that mm-hmm. like. 20 30 years from now it's going to look even shittier the way kind of jason argonauts like if you look at now like yeah harry Housen, he was a genius but this movie's 70 years old and we've moved beyond stop motion i don't think the dinosaurs will continue to ache because it's not like it's like you know fantastic what was that fantastic stories where they had the cgi night and it just looks like something out of an MTV video from the eighties now yeah, or lawnmower man was. or some shit Lawn- like that. Oh God, <laughs> it's just lawnmower like four, man. four polygons making up a human being. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the special effects I think are intact, but I, I do think that maybe what takes us from a three star movie to a four star movie is that sense of awe and wonder. And you're, you might be yeah. right. A person sitting there, although like my son loves it, but okay. he didn't cry mm-hmm. when he saw the dinosaurs. So yeah. That. Fair. Uh, where else? We talked about the special effects. Do you want to talk about the score? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. And this is like, you're like, you know, if, if you think that, uh, John Williams can only do like marches, <laughs> then put, I mean, yeah, put on a lot of different music, but this is great. And a lot of the awe and wonder, a lot of tear jerking, yeah. I think is the visuals plus the score. Cause he is channeling all that. Uh, emotion in there yeah this is the theme that i come back to just just if i'm if i'm kind of idle and i'm doing nothing and a song pops into my head and then it's epic (laughs) this will be the one like even more so than a star wars even more than indiana jones this is the one uh and and i don't I wouldn't say it's more iconic, right? I think it's less iconic than a Star Wars or Indiana Jones. And and I know more music from Star Wars. I know more music from Indiana Jones. But this is the theme to me that always comes just directly to my head. I love that the, the internet does some funny things with memes sometimes. One of my favorite things they do is they do like... Uh, e3 footage of a game that looks amazing and they play the jurassic park score underneath it uh the triumphant one and then they cut the actual game footage it's shitty and then they have like a i don't know like a 12 year old playing jurassic park on a recorder like just broken and halting <laughs> oh, and off key uh-huh. <laughs> it's like my one of my favorite uses of the jurassic uh, uh park meme although there's another um did you do this as a kid did you photoshop uh sam neil on to Jeff Goldblum's belly. There's there's a famous like a gif of uh, like Sam Neill leaning against a triceratops with a uh, uh, mm-hmm. but they superimposed him over <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, uh, Jeff down Goldblum's like a cat. belly laying yeah. down with his belly sticking out from this movie when he's when he's got his broken leg or whatever. I did not do that, but I thought, that's, man, that's I thought good. I remembered you doing some Photoshop freaking back in the day, but I did, uh, I did, just not that one. Where do you want to go now? Do you want to talk about the cast a bit? Uh, well, well, part of what makes the music so memorable 
is is the number of times they use it in this movie, right? Like you think of Star Wars and they have a lot of songs. They they have a lot of memorable marches and and swelling epic themes, but they they don't use them all the time like this movie does. And that's that's one of the things that makes a good theme. I I follow some people on YouTube who are theme writers for for movies. And one of the things they say is repetition, right? Like, yes, it's going to feel wrong because you're hitting the audience five times over the course of an hour and a half with the same melody. And John Williams does it here. He like I counted. It's at least five times in this movie that he hits you with and and different versions of it, right? Like you've got the swelling epic wonder and then you've got also the somber, like kind of scary version of of that melody mm-hmm. but but the melody sticks in your head because it's so it's repeated so often yeah prize a lot in common with like the lord of the Rings score because there's similar kind of like uh very archetypic themes there's like four or five of them they just kind of rotate yeah them. and uh, also i think williams does a really good job underrated like tension guy he's got those like shrieking s- strings and like the, the 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 way he's like undercutting some of the horrific stuff like you know, Laura Dern barely making it through this door before a raptor snaps at her, or mm-hmm. Lex barely making it into the drop ceiling before a velociraptor grabs her, or something yeah. like that. Like the the action, just the, like the minute to minute action music, um, the ambient music, he does uh, shockingly well. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, do you want to talk about the cast at all? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um. One of the things that might be interesting is like discuss the cast in terms of like uh, alternate history because I was shocked in s- some of the almost we got here. Um, like I found that William Hurt was the first choice for Alan Grant, mm-hmm. but he turned it down without even reading the script. They also offered it to Harrison Ford. Who the fuck turns down I'm a actually, Steven Spielberg movie at this stage of his William career? William Hurt apparently lunatic. William Hurt. What did he? Uh, well, I'm gonna look up William Hurt's career. What did he have going on in 1993 that was better than Jurassic Park? Dark City? Bullshit. Is around that? Bullshit. Is around that area? Uh, you're gonna piss off Goyer. William uh, Hurt. I mean, Dark City is a fine movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's not Jurassic Park. Mister yeah, Wonderful yeah, yeah. came out in 1993. Who remembers that fucking? He just like I'm not gonna do a science. Oh, with Matt Dillon. He was in a movie with Matt Dillon in '93. <laughs> Matt Dillon wasn't in Jurassic Park. No. William Hurt's what, what career has an entirely different trajectory if he takes this movie. I guarantee it. Can you... Okay, so, if, what, if Harrison Ford's in this film, is this movie better or worse? I, oh, oh. Harrison Ford would be great in this movie. But different. I think he'd be really good at the kids and like his that kind of like manic like scream yelling energy he does would be perfect for like you know him like God, jump off the thing now Tim and you gotta go gotta go that would work really well but it's like it's all about like do you get checked out Harrison Ford or do you give Harrison Ford right. giving a fuck and at this era I he was a lot of he was checked out in a lot of a lot of things it was but closer he also to checked was, out but he's I mean this was still in his like I guess prime Tom, Tom Clancy uh What's that? The Air Force One movie? Like he he did some mm-hmm. decent action thrillers. I mean, not too long after his last Indiana Jones. Well, yeah, until Crystal Skull. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he would have been. I I think it, the movie would have been better. Um, I, I don't, don't know wrong, because like, 
so so I'm with you. I think Harrison Ford could have stepped in this role and done a great job, and and you know cemented his legacy as the all time greatest. Uh, I don't know hero in film. Period. He'd done another lap around the box office thing too. Yeah, right. Uh, but then you look at Sam Neill, and I think there is something to Sam Neill that makes this performance special. I think it's the dark edge that Sam Neill can have that like comes through in his performances. Like I, yeah, I've seen it in horizon. So I think of him in that, I think of him in movies like, uh, possession, which is a really old one that he did. Yeah, um, you've seen a lot of horror, like omens that I, that he's big. In yeah. That it, yeah. There's a darkness to Sam Neill and it Demon comes through Sam O'Neill. Yeah. In this first scene with this kid. And I don't it think it's, I don't think this scene works as well with Harrison Ford as it does with Sam Neill. The, though some Maybe of the other ones right. might work just as well, if not better with Harrison Ford. And I, I will say this, that if, if, if Harrison Ford, is the archaeologist in this or the paleontologist mm-hmm. you just know he's going to vanquish the dinosaurs like this is not a fucking problem right sam right. neil plays a little bit more of like uh he could be kind of a nerd that's going to go sit in his car and, and shit his pants and watch these kids die maybe because it's like there's he some tension kids. in that movie he's where like one. him and jeff goldblum are just going to watch this happen like this yeah. t-rex is savaging these kids <laughs> flipping it over like before you find this like okay i'll do whereas Harrison right. Ford you just know he's going to so like I feel you know Alan Grant becomes heroic in this film yes where Harrison Ford as soon as they pan up to him digging for dinosaurs you're going to see him as Indiana Jones and he is yeah. heroic even though the character hasn't earned it yet so I feel like yeah you might be right he's got it's it's a better arc for Alan just because Harrison Ford is just such a badass I think so I think so but only slightly I'm not I'm not saying Harrison Ford wouldn't have been great in this role because he would have. What do you think of Jim Carrey over uh, Jeff Goldblum? Because that was a near thing. And we looked at their movie career and it's a really interesting what if. Yeah. Because they both were in Earth Girls Are Easy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Goldblum had done some other weird. He'd done like he was very young Invasion of the Body Snatchers in like 81 or right, something. Right. Uh, we just saw that and he was a weirdo in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at their movie career. Jeff Goldblum doesn't do Independence Day if he's not in Jurassic Park. I don't think. Yeah. Whereas Jim Carrey, I think you're right. Did some crazy year where he did what? Mask, Ace Ace Ventura, Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber. One other Dumb and Dumber in one fucking year in like ninety. So he was going to pop off no matter what. But yeah, those were like the three biggest box office comedies of that year. Period. I don't know that Jeff Goldblum is the internet's darling if he's not in Jurassic Park, though, because it seemed like his career kind of sputtered and he was having and now he's just like he just does whatever kind of weird, quirky roles he wants. And he's, you know, dining out on Jurassic Park and Independence Day money. I do think Jim Carrey would have been great in that role, too, though. I I think very different, especially if you can. Yeah, I, I don't know. Around this time, he was very much a comedian. And trying to make his name that way. Cause, cause he's Mr. Steal Your Girl in this movie. Like, I honestly believe he could have walked off with with Doctor Sattler without trying very uh-huh. hard. I don't know that Jim Carrey can carry those seduction scenes at that, this stage in his career. That's the thing, right? Like, I think he gets there eventually in like the two thousands, but I don't think in nineteen ninety three that he would have been. He would have been almost too funny in this role. 
Uh, oh yeah, he's a cre- super credible love interest in like you know Eternal Sunshine. Um, and he's a good looking guy, yeah, and, and yeah, he's yeah. charming he's in a those leading movies. Man. He's just, but not this era. No, this Whereas is Jeff Ventura. Dude, yeah. how does Jeff Goldblum get away with the shit he does in this movie? He's like, <laughs> he's just a, none of these choices should work, but they fucking do. Right, right. I, I this man's just growling. He's growl laughing at a woman, and it reads as charming. Right? Yeah. No, it does. Uh, and, and not in the way that you're like, oh, she has to go along with this because she got paid as an actress to be in this movie. It's more like, I might be charmed by this performance here. <laughs> yeah. No, that water drop thing is uh-huh. like, he is fucking working on all levels and she's into it. And, yeah. you know, like if uh, Grant's not get, just paying too much attention to his dung pile by the Triceratops, uh, it's going to. Yeah, it's wild, man. His charisma has carried him through so many performances like this. Like, there's the scene where he, you know, gets his legs hurt and they they take the jeep out of there. And then the first first time you see him back in the facility, uh, he he's splayed out. He's like lounging like a cat with his shirt open, and and this is like a meme on the internet, right? That everybody oh, yeah. knows this shot. Yeah. But there's nothing particularly sexy about the physical form of Jeff Goldblum. He's a weird looking dude. He's not built. He's not like jacked or muscular pretty... or anything. He's just a little lithe, I guess. But he's got kind of like that. Um, everything's very strong in his appearance. Like everything's like. Sure. Prominent. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a Sarah Jessica Parker or like a Julia Roberts. Sure. Where it's like those features should not all, but they kind of do. And mm-hmm. he's also got beautiful skin and hair. It must be said. Oh yeah, I mean, you're sure yeah. he's got he's got a lush uh, yeah. forest. I could on go his on. Head. I mean, I I kind of got a crush on Jeff. Goldblum, but, uh, <laughs> I think most people do. It's but the it only is, way yeah, you can be him and still get work. <laughs> it's it's it is a it is a there's a certain amount of just charisma that he has yes. that makes the whole fucking thing work. And it comes through in his physicality too. It's not just a personality thing. Yeah. Um. Laura Dern yeah. could have been Robin Wright, Gwyneth Paltrow, or Helen Hunt. It, it, Laura Dern could be Helen Hunt in any movie. Literally any true. movie. She could I, also I, be Jodie Foster been, in just about any movie. So That's true. I think that's more of a lateral move. Uh-huh. I don't know if I like Robin Wright, and I especially don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, you don't like Robin Wright in this role? I don't... I've ne- uh, have I... Have I ever seen her in a movie where she reads as warm? Is she too attractive? Is it just like, oh, oh, it's the she's ice very, queen. She's very attractive, but it's also just like she has to be the one that's warm to, you know, Grant's kind of weird and off-putting and against kids and all that kind of stuff. And I've never seen her in a movie. Even Princess Bride, she's not. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's 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 not, you know, like Laura Dern. So like, yeah. And then Gwyneth Paltrow, like, fuck, man, she's my kryptonite. I, I can't 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 do it. Um, I don't know. You might you might start diminishing Goldblum's star if you had Robin Wright in this because Goldblum is the sexy one in this, and I feel like Robin Wright would have brought uh, an element of attraction to a paleontologist that feels a little too Hollywood. It feels a little bit like yeah. oh, we cast the most beautiful, most chiseled person we possibly could, like a Marvel yeah, movie, get, right? If you get Harrison Ford and and Robin Wright, yeah, it's like what the fuck? GQ is casting right. the paleontologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. Whereas Laura Dern and Sam Neill, they're not not attractive people. They're both no, they're very attractive, attractive people. people. It's just they look like they could be paleontologists. Sure, sure, sure. They look like they went the academic route. Yeah, right. 
Um, a couple of two more what ifs. I actually like Ariana Richards. Uh, she was hired solely because of her ability to emote terror. And this is the Lex. This is the, the oh, girl. okay, yeah, yeah. And she's good. Like she's like, great. Uh, she's she's good at being a scared little kid. And mm-hmm. and the kid the uh, the the boy is not as good. I don't think, but he turned out to be a fine mm. actor anyway. Christina Ricci. That was the other that person could also work. Yeah, I could totally see her being kind of like the bored, too cool for school teenager. Mm-hmm. But also, I, you know, I've seen her be, I've seen her emote fear before. Oh yeah, no, uh, she she's a good actress. Uh, I yeah. would also say there, there's something special about Lex and and Timmy in this movie, where by the end of it, it, it you know, the, the journey of of Alan Grant is that he comes to. Uh, enjoy i don't know that he's totally enjoying uh being in the company of children but he certainly is enjoying being in the company of these children and i think Mm -hmm. these children in particular look so much like they could be the daughter and son of alan grant and ellie interesting uh is it ellie i I think it's ellie uh yeah ellie statler yeah yeah i I think they could be the children of these that christina ricci might not fit into that she has like jet black hair she's yeah. yeah, she she doesn't really look like either of these two actors, but I, I think that's kind of what they were going for. Like these could be our kids, right? Yeah, it could. I never considered that, but I think you're right. There is a connection there, and I, and you're right. It's not like he warms up the children, but maybe the idea of family, yeah, like settling down, like that might not be too bad, especially since you know dinosaurs are in the world now. <laughs> They're out of work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Although he'd probably be massive amount of work, right? Like that, it'd be a good time to be a paleontologist. Oh yeah, I mean, work at the if park, dinosaur. Yeah, you're no longer a paleontologist. You're just the world's foremost biologist on dinosaurs. Right, right. It's your it's your race to lose at that point, buddy. <laughs> um, one final one. Then we can go talk about something besides casting. Sean Connery over Attenborough for John Hammond. Oh, uh, Sean Connery. What, what you make of that casting switch, boy? I could see it. I could see it. It's a different energy. It's not as much like grandfatherly, you know, it's not as much nice old man, right? It's more like serious old guy. It's a fundamentally different. What makes this work is the arrogance and kind of absent minded uh, optimism of and the kind of like me over his head. That negativity, he's, yeah. He's he's punching way over his weight, and it's just not going to work. And I just I think that like Sean Connery is just so much in control that like it yeah. wouldn't come across. Like he, he like him arguing like needle <laughs> like with with Nedry over to Bill, or, ah. or or being flustered by Ian Malcolm's argument right, right about like hubris yeah. and and standing on the shoulders of giants. No, he would just he would just shut that shit down. Yeah, too much authority yeah. in that man's presentation. It's too intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm with um, you. Uh, we, we didn't talk about some of the other casting that was perfect, and I don't know if there were other people uh, expected uh, or, yeah, you know, yeah, auditioned yeah. for the roles, but, like, Sam Jackson uh, before he was Jules in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry is just perfect. Perfect. And he carries a big chunk of the middle act you know the the second yeah. act in this movie like he like the camera stays on him for five six seven minutes uh and he's just and, being newman right like he's not 
He is. He's just being Wayne Knight in these scenes, which is perfect. He's doing it some works. physical stuff. He's working with some puppets. He's like, this is not like he's oh, in, yeah. you know, pouring down rain. Like, I don't, I don't think it was easy, but he is. Yeah, he's no, no. essentially playing Newman. Uh, what about uh, the guy who plays Muldoon? Because he's great too. I just don't know his name. I don't either. I didn't write it because I didn't, and I didn't see him in it. So like, I he, but he, you're right. He's great. He's a great character actor. Like as soon as you see him with, uh, like it's a ridiculous outfit. He's wearing this like Outback Safari thing with these khaki <laughs> socks pulled up to his knees. Oh, you want to talk about ridiculous outfits? Uh huh. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, right. He's 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 very he's goofy, but like from the first scene where you like rack, like he he looks yeah. utterly competent. You know, like yeah, he does. He, he's he the guy. To- who's gonna hold your hand through this and and it's super effective like when he gets killed right because it's like oh no the guy who actually has this shit on lock has just died all bets are off gonna be the b team has to really dig deep (laughs) right i remember the first time i watched this movie i'm like yeah if this guy's around then you know as Mm -hmm. long as he's with ellie it's gonna be okay and they do a great job setting up the intelligence of the Raptors too, right? With that scene, they take out the the most competent of the humans, and not only does that make you worry for the humans because the most competent of them is dead, but also the Raptors did that, and now the Raptors are on their tail. Oh no, they're fucked. Yeah, um, you talked about uh, who was it? ridiculous we were outfits. About. Oh, Sam Sam Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's so good at playing like as old school sysop. Like mm-hmm. he's not a programmer. He's not a hacker. He's just a he's just a hardware systems guy. And the way he plays it with that half smoked cigarette perpetually dangling off his lip, he's delivering <laughs> full lines. It's like a cartoon. Uh-huh. Like a car. Like people can can balance a, a cigarette like that in like a cartoon or something. But like, yeah. It's just this just chain smoking dude cranking through line. It's just it's it's great. It's great. It's such a niche role, but he's so good at it. It is um, great. I, and I talked I about did, yeah. like um, you know the the melody, the main theme of this uh, this movie being kind of one of the most memorable. I also noticed when I was watching this, I I know the plot of this movie really only based on the one liners. Or things that I perceived as one-liners at the time that I saw this the first 20 times I saw this. Um, and hold on to your butts is one of those, right? Like, Oh, yeah. There are just like 15 lines that carry me through the plot of this movie. And I was, I was thinking, like, why is that? Why do I remember so many lines from this movie compared to others? And I think part of it is that once you get past the, the initial setup, there isn't a ton of dialogue, right? Like acts two and three of this are very action heavy. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the yeah. dialogue that is there is like one liners in. And I even wrote that. I, I, my notes are just saying like, this is the veggie Sora scene. This exactly. is the hold yeah. off your butt scene. This is uh-huh. the, we must go faster scene. Yeah. Right? You're, it's right? very punctuated by those. And that's because the, the, I can't tell you how fucking this front is loaded Unix, this movie this. is. Mm hmm. This 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 movie's so front loaded and you don't even realize it. Like that opening scene essentially kind of like gets people on the edge of their seat because there's gonna not be a lot of action yeah. or a good yeah. clip of this. It's gonna be all tension from here, but just to set the stakes, what these things can do. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the the lawyer and that scene where you find out is uh, you know, that's they 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 tease the amber. Uh, they set up the stakes about like why this is happening, why the experts need to be recruited and signed off. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, also establish Grant, you know, like you're going to have a hard time with him because he's a digger. He doesn't like the technology. Um, then you go over to the archaeology scene or the paleontology scene, and they further reinforce that he hates computers and he hates kids uh, <laughs> because kids ask stupid questions about dinosaurs. Um, they and why they're, yeah. they're setting that character notes, but they're also talking about like the T-Rex and how he has weird vision. They can't see mojo. And then the Velociraptor is so smart and they probably hunt in packs like every fucking scene is setting up. Yeah two or three things that you're going to need to know and you're going to be, uh, and you don't even know it, but you're going to like, Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm grounded and I know what's happening. Um, yeah, they're, they're great introduction a, to Hammond, like Hammond, Dude, like it's so good. So smart. Cause it's a microcosm, him blundering into this thing, not thinking about what it's going to affect because right? they're going to be I, happy with the end result I, is yeah. the theme of the movie. Yeah. No, it, it, this is maybe the best scene in the entire movie. And I, I, I say that from like a, a structure, a narrative, a character perspective, like there are more exciting scenes, but this mm-hmm. scene where he, he has the helicopter fly in, it disturbs the dig sites and he's just waiting and he pops the bottle of champagne that they've been saving for a special occasion. This tells you absolutely everything you need to know about Hammond as a person and yes. about his discovery and how important it is, how game-changing it is right yes it, it's such a brilliantly constructed scene and it it doesn't even feel like it in the moment it feels like this all makes sense but but it doesn't feel like oh a writer sat down and said what is the one thing i can do to perfectly encapsulate this character it's just like no this character just this is what he does and it, it just keeps going on like they introduce ne- you don't even know who nedry is or what jurassic park is at this point but they establish this guy who's got a bone to pick with the project who's got this, this a high tech Barbasol can that's going to steal dinosaur <laughs> embryos. Uh-huh. And also they set up the fact that like, he's conscious about money. Like don't cheap out on me. Right. Dodgson. That's right. what well, that was Hammond's mistake again. You don't, but you're going to remember that when you, when they comes up in, in 15, 20 minutes, Malcolm set up the first time and he's Jeff Goldblum's rawr and talking about chaos theory. And then like, then you get into like the, at the park and they're doing the dinosaur ride, which is, a bunch of exposition and just when that would get tedious the characters break out of their confinement which is again yeah. a reinforcement of yep. the theme that I life know. finds a way it's like so good could, I, I was amazed like there's six or seven times he keeps on layering that like look at all this thing that you couldn't predict because it's life and they're unpredictable um right. and that it just keeps on coming up and it's, it's a big theme of the novel but Michael Crichton sets it up with these extra, extraordinarily long monologues between mathematicians and pop and lawyers and paleontologists and Spielberg's just like playing jazz with it, man. Uh, yeah. And a large I, part of that comes down to David, David Cope. Is that how you say his name? Cop. I don't know. The screenwriter on this, um, they got adapted the novel. Yeah. 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 They had a few, a few drafts. Spielberg wasn't happy with any of them. So he brought in David Cope and he, he just kicked this movie's ass like up and down. <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant script. And then also, like, also give credit to Michael Crichton, like this concept of like need, you know, living hypodermic needles falling in amber and Uh perfectly preserving the, you know, the DNA through millions of years. What a fucking great concept. Yeah. And also, I I, in the research I uh, did in this film and I guess in 2005. They found a fossilized piece of skin and fat tissue from some dinosaur that did have viable red blood cells still in the fossil. What? I was 
I was under the impression that the half life of DNA was much too small to and, and, and maybe that, maybe that's like times. maybe there's that's like one of those uh, things that sounds bigger to a non to a layman than it would to a scientist. But like the fact that there's in, like it could be just you're right the the DNA is still fucked, but they have fossilized red blood cells. So but yeah, I have no I, idea. It just but. It's one of those things that's so plausible yes. and like, you know, and everyone's, this is the dawn of DNA, right? You know, uh-huh. it's like this in the OJ Simpson trial. And like they're, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. They're going to patch it in with frog DNA and that, that it's, it's great. It's great. And the novel goes into so much more detail with this, like that stuff with Ellie and the Triceratops goes places, the frog DNA mm. is, goes and explains why the animals are breeding. Those are things are all hinted at in the movie, but they're just much more explored detail in the novel. Gotcha. Uh, I do think there's a couple things that are funny, like Grant's unique terror to rap velociraptors. Uh huh. You know, like uh, he's not black. You know, like you've got a 200 ton Diplodocus stomping around. You got <laughs> herds of these hadrosaurs. You've got a T Rex. Yeah, rampaging. But but he, he grabs his baby T Rex. He's like raptors. You bred raptors. Like you know, mm-hmm. and there's like you know the chilling violin strings going up the like what what. But I don't know. It feels like you're putting your scale on the the your thumb on the scale a little bit, movie. Like why why is he uniquely terrified of of raptors being bred? I think it's the but. intelligence. It's it's the intelligence because the T Rex can't see you if you don't move. You know there there are some weaknesses, but the raptors don't have those. They hunt in packs. Um, they're they're so smart that you'll never even see them coming until you're dead. Yeah, that that's what it is. And I guess he's really confident in his theories based on because I guess this that this was a transition ter- period in paleontology where the right. idea of warm blooded, more avian dinosaurs just started to take hold. Yeah, um, it's funny because this movie's way out of date now. Like they did <laughs> right? raptors, now they'd be covered in feathers. Yeah, we, uh, I think I was with you. Did we go to a museum or no? No, it was up in. Uh, I think it might have been in Columbus. We went to a museum that had depictions of of dinosaurs that were updated with feathers and things and they look very different they'd still look cool it's just that the science wasn't there i mean we found fossilized uh-huh. skin and you know the evidence of feathers and all that and maybe a lot more i mean that's the the mind blowing is like once you open up your uh mind to the idea like these guys did like and if you look at birds like they they do look pretty dinosaur like you know like what's up with those fucking feet those aren't mammal feet those aren't lizard feet those are dinosaur feet um yeah. And if you see like a young turkey Closer running to chicken around that feet feathers, or something, yeah, yeah, it does look very much like like like, like a T Rex running around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the movie's been. I, I wonder if they'd ever do a special edition where they'd like feather the because that's the thing, you know. I bet you could. I I bet you could update the 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 graphics and make this movie essentially immortal for not too much money. I think you're right. I'm scared of this because of what Lucas did with Star Wars. Um, but you don't change any animations. I know you I literally know. just update the textures. Yeah, you don't you don't add any dubacks yeah. in the Moss Eisley scenes. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think this movie could use an update. I would hope it would be treated with the respect it deserves. But who knows? Who knows? I find myself. I like the character of Ian Malcolm. Yeah. But I am really torn with this, the the big uh, debate scene at the dinner table, Me because I'm kind of like, 
I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you, Malcolm. I'm with you. It's, you know, you, the, the, you get the spare no expense versus the power, you know, the power didn't require discipline to, you know, didn't require discipline to acquire. But then he gets to like, what's so great about discovery? And uh-huh. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. Like I, my brain, I'm like I'm like I'm like uh, uh, Hammond. Like, aren't you a scientist? What do you mean? What's so great about discovery? He's an well, interesting well, contradiction. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure whose side I come down on because I think there is a level of hubris um, and and just ignoring clear uh, flashing red lights here from Hammond. He seems to take this a little too. Uh, he doesn't take it seriously enough with the security and all that stuff. But I also think that Ian Malcolm is making a pretty ridiculous argument about science because all, all, every single bit of it of science is standing on the shoulders of giants and using other people's research to, to, and, and taking the bits and pieces of that, combining them in other ways and making something new, everything like if you didn't do that, everybody would be perpetually reinventing the wheel. Yeah, literally, yeah. literally, or just so, an abject ignorance. You know, no, no discovery. Right. It's kind of an insane idea to say you just picked up this knowledge and did something different with it, and that makes you irresponsible. No, that's all yeah. of science. Yeah, and it felt flip. Like everything else was like pretty nice. You know, uh, you know, point counterpoints. Uh, Right. Uh, Perry repost, and then it gets to like, what's the big deal about discovery? It's kind of like having a nuanced conversation about like, are people too cavalier and careless about sex? Maybe, um, you know, like maybe we've gone too far and, and uh, we're not fully re- living, you know, like we're not certain emotional component to being be like, what's the bi- the being like, what's the big deal about sex? Like, come, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. Like, billions and, of people can't be wrong. There's something, there's something to it, man. And the other thing about this argument is, He's just said life finds a way. He, mm-hmm. He's all about chaos theory. He's all about these strange happenings of science and, and time and history and the universe. Why wouldn't he just view the dinosaurs reemergence as a, a strange quirk of evolution? Right. Like if if humans want to bring back dinosaurs and dinosaurs take over the earth again and kill all the humans, isn't that just the universe's way of evolving dinosaurs evolving the planet earth like you you would think there'd be more of a fatalistic component to to a a guy who's all about chaos theory but i don't know yeah i um i i don't i don't know i it it, i it's just something just felt wrong about the very end of it it's like you've seen a gymnast at a gymnast routine just 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 killing it and they trip at the end like it's just such uh-huh. a sour note and i never really noticed until i started watching it critically i'm like i was digging yeah, it. i'm yeah. like oh this is kind of an interesting like intellectual back and forth in a major action summer film and then it is like 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 <laughs> like if grant had come in with a fart noise it would have been about as shocking yeah, I think um, in 93 when I was, you know, 11 years old, this this scene kind of made me think more. It was like, oh, yeah, no, they all have interesting uh, perspectives on this. But nowadays, I'm, I kind of have an opinion on it. Uh, I don't think this is a perfect script. I think there are loose ends that, in my opinion, feel like loose ends that the movie and the 
the people who made this movie don't view as loose ends, which surprises me. And the number one thing is this Barbasol can. Uh, what happens is Dennis Nedry gets this Barbasol can, which, you know, he can slide these dinosaur DNA samples into. And he goes and he does that and he tries to escape the park and he ends up uh, dying in the park and the Barbasol can rolls out of his coat down onto the ground where it's covered by mud. And to me, watching this movie, I thought that was a setup for a sequel. I thought this was to to say this is something that is lost currently, but not forever and will come back. And when I was doing research in this, because it is never picked up again in the movie ever, they they don't touch it. And in fact, in the entire canon of Jurassic Park, it's never touched again. It might be in Mm -hmm. Dominion. People are theorizing about like ham or sorry, Grant coming back and stuff. Maybe it'll be part of it, but it doesn't come back in the canon. uh, That's almost cheating at this point. Like the original core trilogy didn't break. So like, yeah, yeah. Right. So to me, that is a loose end. Now, David Kopp and Steven Spielberg have both. uh, Well, David Kopp has said that both he and Steven Spielberg intended that to be a gold dust blowing away in the wind moment where the can gets buried by the mud and it's gone forever, which is strange Mm. in a movie. Kind of like a holy grail, yeah. Kind of like it falls in a crack, it's gone, you know. Yeah, but it's super weird in a movie which in which they're digging up fossilized amber and recreating dinosaurs from something that's been buried for millions of years, right? Like this is true. Th- 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 thematically, so I- it doesn't feel like it is gone forever. It feels to me like this is a thing you're supposed to remember that's going to carry through to either the end of this movie or the beginning of the next movie. I, I, cause it's funny cause I had the exact same debate in my mind. Like, oh, I remember that Barbasol and it does get covered in mud. And I'm like, it was that. Then I started thinking like, did that come up in the, 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 the two sequels? Cause, and I, and I, I didn't think it did, but then I'm thinking like, well, in the scene just like 10 minutes ago, they said that this only can make the fetuses viable for like 30, 36 hours. Right. But then I also thought like, but those Amber's been in there for like 67 million years, but that's, fossil because like not every living thing gets fossilized so like mm-hmm. if those didn't then so it it, it but it, it the way it shot i think yeah. it yeah. did because i remember certainly when i was in the movie theater thinking that's how they're going to get a, a part two to this thing right and right. obviously they would think so there. but i can also see what spielberg saying he's like hey i just told you this thing's going to die but you also in a movie uh-huh. where things died 67 million years ago and you're bringing them back to life. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is which DNA is harder to recover. Riddle riddle me that. Right. Right. So so I think yeah. that's a flaw um, and it may not be. I mean, that might not bother you, but it bothered me. Uh, there's there's another problem, which is minor. Um, the piles of shit are too high. The piles of shit are too high. A Triceratops' ass doesn't come more than three shit feet off the ground. Too damn high. Yeah, <laughs> but you got piles of shit that are six feet tall. How? How does, hey, it, does a Triceratops just shit in the same place until its ass is nah, just man. forty-five degrees in the air? What's happening? Nah, man. They're uh, they're they're they're, they're uh, living bulldozers. They. What do you think that big shield's for? They just put their face in it and they like they tidy up after themselves. <laughs> oh, they push God. it into a big pile. 
The only thing I can think is that that isn't all Triceratops shit. The pile she sticks her hand into, which is much smaller, is Triceratops shit. The other mm. is the Vegisaurus shit. That's all I can mm. think. But oh, because you're right. Like those, those probably do take hay bale size shit. Oh, dude. Yeah, those would bury you in one. A Diplodocus, shit. a Brontosaurus shit. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah. Like you would Some probably, it, it probably cause a size. It probably cause your water glass to vibrate when those things hit from like twenty <laughs> feet up easily. Yeah, you'd be oh, dead before you, you suffocated in shit. You would be. Crushed. Yeah, if it landed on you, you would be dead. It's it's fecal entrapment. You just, <laughs> you'd be done. You'd be done. Uh, <laughs> um. And so so that's another one. But maybe you can explain that away. I've got one final one. Um. Yeah. I think there's a bad shot in this. I think Spielberg, oh. y- you did a bad thing here. Um, when they're first feeding the Velociraptors, the T-Rexes, I, I, I think it is. I, I don't know. Um, so, so when they first meet Muldoon, uh, everybody is there, kind of like Grant and Statler and Hammond and Muldoon are all kind of talking. And Jeff Goldblum's up there with them, too. Um, and they're all kind of talking around this this ledge of a pin, and mm, the, the, yeah, yeah. Grant and Muldoon are having the conversation, and they're kind of in the background, and the camera is like letting you know that they're talking, and and everybody's because everybody's facing them, right? And you can hear their dialogue. But then Hammond turns around and starts talking to Ellie in the foreground, but the conversation, the sound, the audio there doesn't focus on them; it stays focused on what is now a background conversation happening and there's a moment of like deep confusion there for me uh, where like i'm like cross the line right audio visually they cross the line where now i think i'm supposed to be hearing hammond and ellie's conversation but i'm actually still hearing grant and muldoon's conversation it's very confusing and so i miss what they're talking about every time because i'm confused by just the staging of that shot I think it's I a bad shot. And see. Yeah, I have to go back in because I'm always like, I'm always fixated on. I had the same note about the goat. They're really feeding these things live animals. I guess like that. That's not no zoo in the world does that. Maybe they'll feed fish to yeah, another yeah. fish or bugs to it's another bug or something. or something. But like, yeah. they're not bringing in fucking musk ox for a tiger to eat they're like giving them steaks and stuff like you can't do that with a tea and i'm like what kind of grizzly like like on a zoo what would you think if you went to like a tiger exhibit and like every six hours there was a feeding where a goat popped up and you watched the like i don't if you're that that almost took me out of the movie like there's no way they would plan for that to be an attraction (laughs) right i heard they took some of the violence out of the book but uh, oh yeah there's a there's a horrific scene of uh, Hammond dies in the book. He's eaten to death by these little compisauruses. They're like these little I heard that, things. which is weird for the sequels. Yeah, that have a ven- venomous bite. I think they brought that back in. in they do book, in the third one. It There's eats the, the that exact the same thing. Yeah. Photographer or whatever. Um, and it's it's done very well in the book. It's very chilling. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I. I don't know. I mean. I guess. Yeah. It would be pretty grisly if they they put a goat out there and let it eat. But I mean, this is a grisly thing, right? Like, if you want to get people in the spirit of what being a dinosaur was like or the ecosystem right and i think that's the hubris here that that is really the 
the big failing of John Hammond is he tried to go too big too fast, right? Like he took his flea circus and he made an entire Roman flea empire with it. Because uh, if he had started with a couple of dinosaurs, like a few Vegisaurus or whatever, that's something you can get your head around. That's something you can you can control. But once you try to create an entire ecosystem, that's where things take on that new life, right. like Malcolm's talking about. Life finds a way, theory, right? Yeah. And I think they just went too hard, too fast with it. Yeah, there's so much of that chaos, like the like uh, Nedry, the you know, and and the other thing is like there's this also this irony of Hammond always saying, "I spared no expense, I spared no expense," but he only spared no expenses on the things that directly interfaced the customer yeah he was sparing expenses like a motherfucker behind the scenes lowballing is all about yeah lowballing mm-hmm. that not like not listening to muldoon for his recommendations on needing extra security this and that right like, there's a lot of between the scenes of that and it goes back to um the flea circus what do you think about the flea circus i felt like that that's just the, the, the i don't know like i i uh I kind of don't like Hammond in this movie. By the end of the movie, yeah. I feel like he's a malicious idiot. And maybe it's because I've been surrounded by malicious idiots of late, um, fucking up complex systems they don't understand. <laughs> but like, I find it very hard to tolerate his nouveau rich naivete. Yeah, his laissez-faire like, attitude about what he's doing. And then that's where I'm with Ian Malcolm. Yeah. He, he yeah. in particular, doesn't seem too concerned with the, the shoulders that he's standing on. Um, yeah. So I give him that, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Hammond is a character that is not a villain, at least not intentionally. Um, but he is ultimately in the wrong here. Yeah. Cause I, I, I do think like he's, a, he's a showman, you know, if he didn't remind me so much of like James Randi, I'd probably hate him more. But I really mm-hmm. like James Randi, and and Doesn't when he goes into the flea circus stuff, I'm like, oh well, he's he's a showman, he's a magician, right? He's James Randi, but man. like, yeah. But then I, yeah, I, I get the parts where he makes crucial mistakes because of his laissez-faire attitude about it. We. So we talk about some of the flaws in the movie. I don't think this is a flaw, but this is not my favorite part. Uh, and I mellowed a lot in the last few years, but I still think there's some cringe shit with these kids. Like once the di- like, okay, I, I I don't know what it is, but like something about, I don't know. They're just like helpless and incompetent right up to the time that they need to be like ruthlessly competent. And they're like that, that I'm a ha- I'm a hacker shit paying off to the, this is Unix. I know this. <laughs> with this three-dimensional file like i just it 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 it's pain it's pain and i I think the kids are doing a great job i just think they're written kind of shitty they're not they don't feel like real kids to me at any point in this movie except for when they're afraid that's the only genuine emotion i buy from how how about when they're especially when timmy is introduced do you feel like that's a real kid like a kid who's just really into dinosaurs and has read this paleontologist book and oh yeah especially like a kid who's maybe parents are distracted because they're going through divorce and his grandpa doesn't know like you know does you know doesn't care that the kid's gonna drive their guests nuts and because like that honestly is annoying as shit 
like I don't like babysitting people's kids I don't know and every once in a while I've been pressed into it because shitty parents and whatnot but like it's not a great experience to like you know be harangued by some strange child about you know whatever Uh, I don't think it is so like but even that kind of like that sets off my internal cringe like nobody is gotcha there's essentially unsupervised children Uh, yeah no I'm with uh, you I don't I don't think the script is is perfect when it comes to the children I think it starts off pretty strong I I hate mm, that. That so part much. is cute, but and then the sneeze. I the sneeze yeah. is good. I like the sneeze. Okay. I like the kid getting blown off the fence because I hate that kid, and then it's funny when he gets blown off the fence. Oh, I mean that's and just like, an I, excellent I could, scene, but yeah. And from the them eating ice cream, I thought they were really good as kids, like eating ice cream, like mm-hmm. you know, like how resilient kids are. But then they're like, and I, I liked when they're like just running from their, you know, for their lives in the kitchen. But some of those like entry and middle scenes are just, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're I right. I felt like Spielberg could have, done, he's gotten better performances and written and adapted better children to the screen. And I, again, I, I don't think it's the fault of these kids. I think they were good actors. Mm-hmm. It's just, these are thankless parts. And I think, I, I gotta read this novel again. Because I remember the kids being exceptionally good characters in the books, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Uh, or, but certainly not this like Unix shit. I'm a ha- you know, yeah. <laughs> I know this. Uh, speak, yeah. Speaking of the kids, there's that one scene where Timmy gets stuck in the tree in the Jeep and Alan goes after mm-hmm. him uh, and they're climbing down and the Jeep starts falling. And I'm just like, I'm having a Prometheus moment where it's like, run <laughs> sideways, you fucking idiots. You <laughs> just played sideways. that. You just played that plan to perfection with the rope, you know, you stepped off to the side, right. kept, but like, why can't you just go? Yeah. Yeah. There's only one path down the street. It's yeah. 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 It's fine. It, it works uh, from a tension perspective, but annoying. I know something that triggered the fuck out of you in Jurassic Park 2 is the little girl, Jeff Goldblum's daughter's Dude. gymnastics routine. Dude, kicking That's clearly the just a, It's clearly just an uneven bars adapted uh-huh. to, and it doesn't look like a real set at all. No, there is a little proto type of this scene in Laura Dern's sprint to the power shack while Muldoon's covering her like she is jumping and vaulting and swinging from a bar that's supposed to be a branch and like all but doing like if if Laura Dern's five years younger, they make her do a cartwheel. Uh Uh, (laughs) Spielberg likes the gymnastics routines. He likes his floor routines, apparently. I guess. I mean, he definitely likes uh, to have those those kind of silly, cute moments in his movies sometimes. So I, I won't begrudge him this one, but in two, it just becomes egregious. It's it, the whole point yeah. of an entire scene is to have this girl spin around these bars. No, and it's like it's like a it's like a grim parody of the <laughs> narrative efficiency of the first movie. Like, right. oh, they yes, they introduced that she's a gymnastics student. Guess that's got to be. But, but pay it's like off, if, she, know, if she were yeah. to say, "This is gymnastics. I know this." And then she yes. goes and does the thing. It's it's that ridiculous. <laughs> that would have. Oh God, that'd have been perfect. These are parallel bars. Like I scene. know this. I know these. Yeah, and actually have them be the uh, the horse. It's not even the wrong. It's the wrong apparatus. <laughs> sure, rings. Because just yeah. just so you know, this is the Unix equivalent to Silicon Graphics 
the Unix equivalent of loading up Windows Explorer and clicking on a few sub sub subdirectories. This yeah. is a file manager. My, my wife asked it, me, like, would is this a real interface? Um, and I was like, you could make an interface like this, but I guarantee you did. That, that the people who sat down to use this system would hate it within seconds because it's so Someone slow. in this era saying this is Unix, I know this, and doesn't immediately go to a command prompt. Is exactly. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was a this was just a, a proof of concept like deli- like uh, file manager that they were just doing just kind of like oh what's better than a two D desktop a three and I, I mean it, they were they're probably just it like it looks slow and shitty we can't use it we can't use command prop that's boring give us something visual and so they did that but it's but, not that's the thing like then Mr Robot finally got it like all you need mm-hmm. to do is understand the stakes and what they're trying to do and whether they're getting it done or not yeah you know like. That stuff can be interesting, and it can be yeah. But anyway, I don't want to get on that that horse too much. <laughs> and some of those things are endearing. Like I, I think that Unix scene. Yeah, I still love it. I think yes, it's cheesy and it's ridiculous. But I, I still, when we get to that scene, I'm kind of like cheering inside, going, "Yeah, this scene. I love this scene." Yeah. Um, I love Alan's joke with the high voltage wires where he grabs him <laughs> and he does the dead. Like, I, I like this is like this is like the dark side of him again because uh-huh. <laughs> this this is not appropriate in this situation. Not at These all. These kids have been legitimately traumatized for 48 hours <laughs> and now they think their only adult companion is dying. Like yeah. that's kind of funny if you're a dad on a farm with an electric fence. <laughs> it is not funny in Jurassic Park. And no. after the hurricanes hit and all the monsters are gone. Yeah, but I do I do love it. I do love it. Yeah. And that that scene, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but it's so well constructed with the tension of the switches that Ellie's turning back on and we know you you know, they show that the last one is the fence that they're at and, and the, we the see alarms the are going which off. working through the thing. It's like it's right? it's such a great ratcheting tension, especially since until the alarms go off, they don't even know. They don't even exactly. know the danger they're in. And then the alarm starts ringing and like, oh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, mm-hmm. The kitchen scene also, like I, I talked a little shit about the raptors feet not touching the countertops correctly. But other than that, it is a clinic of like sound design and set design and reflective surfaces and the kids being kind of clever and also lucky like. You know, I don't think Lex intended to fake out the velociraptor by that, I think you know it just happened to be the shiny surface and but uh-huh. like it's it's good and it's still kind of like you know gripping yeah no, i agree uh what do you, and i also like i said that we, we talked about this a bit but grant has a full-on arc you know like he doesn't like kids he just likes to dig and at the end of this he's he's a reluctant hero but he's our hero like him and ellie are like completely shielding these kids 360 protection probably gonna die and then this is not in the book, but I this is something from the movie that I uniquely love. The Tyrannosaurus Rex becoming kind of like the Godzilla-esque hero, anti-hero at the end, saving everyone's bacon. Yeah. And I just remember and I uh, wanting to cheer when that T-Rex roars and then the banner falls down. It says when dinosaurs ruled the earth um, mm-hmm. and it's still a great moment. I just like, God, what a Spielberg. What a magnificent bastard going for this big of an ending. Yeah. No, it's it's great. I I do have like some shitty movie details that I want to <laughs> want to like throw out there that 
are most definitely not true, but I feel like should be true. Like this, this scene where the T-Rex comes in and eats the Velociraptor and saves the kids is the direct inspiration for there's always a bigger fish in episode one. I feel, I feel like it's gotta be right. It's gotta be. That's Spielberg adjacent. I, I, yeah, I I'll allow it. Yeah, I, I feel like that was that was Lucas trying to one up the Jurassic Park mm-hmm. moment, but he didn't. And and, he and, didn't. and Spielberg just like ah, you know, it's not a competition, George. <laughs> right. Because if it was, I'm kicking your ass. Like, which dimension do you want to do? Oscars? Do you want to do Money Made? Do you want to longevity, relevance? Like, come on, George. <laughs> uh, and then the the other shitty movie detail that is most definitely not true is. When Sam Jackson uh, utters the line, hold on to your butts, he's not talking about your physical butts. He's talking about his cigarettes. Ah. He just assumes everybody else smokes as much as he does. Hold on to your butts. God yeah. damn it. I, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure he's talking gluteus maximus. Didn't know. Uh, Didn't know. Oh, oh, one other thing that is a dead end go nowhere moment in this movie that I think they should have cut. The Lysine contingency. What the, what the hell? Like, why do they even bring so, up it's okay. not, it, the Lysine contingency couldn't work on a time scale that even would have would help them in the situation. And they do nothing else with it in this movie. What's the point? I, as a book reader, I appreciate the dinosaur eggs being found, implying that they're breeding the Lysine contingency because um those are just like the the triceratop dung pile those are uh on ramps into book plots that are very interesting and i always liked when i was watching something because you never can get a book into a movie very rarely works where it's a one-to-one adaptation and i always like when in the margins there's the hint that there's bigger and other things to come but but maybe you're right maybe it's stronger to leave those but like those were like i i got excited as a book reader being like Oh, they, you know, like uh, they're talking about the lysine stuff and <laughs> they've read the book, you know, the animals are. Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like putting in, you know, like when you're in a Marvel movie and on the wall, the hero is like the generation one comic book spandex suit. It's just for the yeah, people who yeah. are like, oh, that thing, you know, it, that's fine. And and they don't spend too much time on it. It's not as egregious, in my opinion, as the Barbasol can, but it is a moment that doesn't really go anywhere. And it's been so long since I've seen two or three and I've only seen them once or twice each. Uh, so I don't remember if that comes into play in those next two movies, but I don't either. I kind of want to, cause I remember the second one other than the, the gymnastic scene being pretty good. Like yeah, I remember like there's a, you know, the, the connected trailer scene coming off the cliff yes. and that being exciting. And the it guy was. trying to like pull, tow him up and the Spinosaurus scene was cool. And, uh, all the thing about the T-Rex rampaging through San Francisco, I thought was pretty fun too. It's one where they sleep but, on the trees, uh, right? Sam Neill and that, that girl are like up there in the, the, I think that's three. Two is Jeff Goldblum. Is and Sam his Neill in three? I don't even remember him in Sam three. Sam Neill is in three, yeah. I don't remember his, three like, at all. Research assistants get killed by a pterodactyl. They bring in some pterodactyl stuff. Okay, Mo- yeah. Is that the There's one with the dome and the pterodactyls attack? Yes, okay, that's three. Okay. I see, like, all, like, I think two and book two and, or movie two and three are basically built on set pieces they, they cut from this. Mm. Like, there's a river scene. And that's 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 in the the second one that is from this book, and I believe the pterodactyl scene is something that they cut from this first book too. Gotcha. So they used every p- part of the Jurassic Park books, uh, just not in all the right movies. Yeah. 
I got some random observations that might people okay. might think are funny or interesting. Um, I don't want to victim blame, but oh, I think no. we've all thought it. That guy in the intro, pretty mm-hmm. slow getting back to his feet after he falls into the mouth of the Velociraptor cage. Like, I agree. It probably didn't feel great. It's a six, seven, seven foot fall on the mm-hmm. concrete, but you're rolling around like, you know, you fell off your rollerblades and there's a, there's a <laughs> thousand pound vicious reptile bird trying to disembowel you. Maybe, maybe, maybe before you rub your owies and stuff, you roll out of the enclosure. <laughs> maybe so. I just like this. little, little slow, little, like a European soccer uh, uh, player getting fouled. Oh is, yeah, is he's whole affect like Reggie yeah, Miller yeah. taking a foul. Uh-huh. He's Reggie, yeah, he's Reggie Miller <laughs> late in the, the fourth quarter against yep. the, the the fucking it's flopping <laughs> n- n- the Knicks. Yeah, uh, it, it, you know the thing that it, I, I don't know when I when I'm watching this scene, I'm like. Man, they're they're a pretty smooth, you know, well-oiled operation here. You've got the guy uh, Muldoon out there calling all the shots. He's got teams of people. They got a guy who's the gatekeeper, like he's out of fucking Ghostbusters or something. Like he is the <laughs> dude who keeps the gate. Uh huh. Like the, the other people, King the Kong other style. six dudes who who push the the container up to the fence are not qualified to operate that gate. This man does nothing but operate the gate, and he fucking fails. All he's got to do is lift a metal door and he fails. Yeah. I guess I I think OSHA would probably want him to have a safety harness so he can't fall off the container into the the Raptor enclosure. That'd be smart. uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, the only guy who pays for it is him. So I guess no harm, no foul to anybody else. (laughs) Um, What? Oh, let's talk about this lawyer's outfit. Holy yes, 90s fuck. God. This guy's lapels, the sloppy tailoring. Also, and I've never wondered this before, but can you tell me where the fuck this guy's coming from? He's being drugged on a pontoon <laughs> across. There's nothing on the other side. There's not a dock. There's not a boat. There's like a branch hanging into water. I don't know how they got him here. Like, there's no, there's, this is, this is a manufactured scene for that first Indiana Jones pan up for this guy i mean he must have swam he must have had his clothes in a dry bag and changed as soon as he got out of the water right it's the only yeah i mean they clearly want to show this guy showing up at a jungle like you know completely dressed like a dumbass but it's just funny because i I defy anyone to tell me how this is like where is he supposed to be coming from you're you're nitpicking the tailoring of this guy's clothes i'm just gonna nitpick this guy's wardrobe like it, it's not that they fit bad. Did, did you see what he's wearing through the rest of this movie? The shorts. There's a scene in a helicopter where I can't even tell that this man is wearing pants because his shorts are so fucking short. His legs and are so exactly goddamn skin. hairy. Okay. I actually, <laughs> I this has been something I thought in the movie the entire time uh-huh. that when he's sitting on the toilet that uh-huh. he was actually taking his shit because this is the first time yes. I actually noticed that he's wearing. Exact flesh colored short shorts. He's wearing khaki shorts, rolled up khaki shorts, just like Laura Dern is, just like she's got on, except yeah, that maybe yeah, yeah. even shorter. His big ass hairy legs are sticking out of him. He's wearing a full on suit coat, suit from and the a top tie up, yeah. and a dress shirt. I thought I'm like, why would you take a shit in the middle of this? I guess if you gotta go, you gotta go. But like I thought says, up until yeah. today, years old, I thought this guy was on that top the toilet taking an active shit. <laughs> Um, no, it's just his wardrobe. It's bad all around. It's terrible. The paleontology in this movie. 
literally a children's museum idea of what paleontology is. Oh, rubbing with soft brushes, loose dirt away from a skeleton that's fully formed. A, a fully yeah. articulated uh-huh. skeleton <laughs> that's like, it, 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 it's intact. It's like, you know, like, yeah. come on. No, uh, my, my wife was sitting next to me watching it. She's like, I would love to be a paleontologist if this is what it was like. like yeah, yeah, I would yeah, love yeah, to do yeah, that, yeah. except they don't show that it's blistering hot. They don't show no. that actually most of what you're digging around in is like rock around these right. these fossils and the fossils aren't in the shape of perfect dinosaurs no yeah. no like most of the time you're going to get like a toe bone or like you're gonna get a mess of like vertebra from seven different dinosaurs right and you're in and like paleontology is like construction work like lots of jackhammering mm-hmm. lots of like taking massive boulders and then you take it in the lab and you know painstakingly remove yeah. stone from right. from the bone and determining and what's bone and what's stone is the old stone and bone is rough. It's tough. You know, that's why it's such an effective strategy. You just don't know. Um, I, I get that Dr. Grant's not comfortable with technology and machinery and all that stuff. I roll my eyes a little bit at him failing to be able to buckle a seatbelt. Like I get the airlines little unconventional belt buckle, but like you're a grown fucking man, dude. Right. You use a can opener, right? You've used a can opener. Can, can you not? Can you not surely you've been on an airplane to get to your dig sites? Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. And then what they don't show in the movie is that by him tying these two female ends of the belt buckle or the the belts to himself, he must be then screwing Ellie who now has two male versions that she has to tie together like this. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He's putting them all, everyone, he's putting her her (laughs) at risk too. Right. I absolutely love, I love, love, love. It's such a good introduction to Sam Neill, to Alan Grant, uh, the scene with the kid who doesn't respect the Velociraptors. Because it shows you how much he respects them, but it also shows you this dark side. He kind of likes torturing children a bit. He doesn't just not like children. He enjoys, there's something perverse about the way he goes at this kid. Uh, you know, talking about all oh, they slice you here, or they slice you in the knee, or maybe they just slice open your belly, spilling your guts. And the one thing you need to remember is you'd be alive when they start eating you. <laughs> it's so dark. It's dark. So dark. It's like imagine telling saying that to an actual child in front of people. Like, right? and you gotta, you gotta get this hook, and you're literally dragging it across their thighs and their stuff. It's fucking wild man if i was the parent on that tour maybe that's a problem there's no parent on this tour i'd be like excuse me um (laughs) i I like to think he carries this claw around with him everywhere and he kind of does in the movie like he ends up in jurassic park with this claw in his pocket i I like to think he uses it for like opening boxes and when he gets in bar fights he'll he'll whip out the claw beer bottles yeah Mm -hmm. this is his utility knife toe pick Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the Hammond's talking to the lawyer, and he's talking about how he intends Jurassic Park not to be just for the super rich. He wants the poor children to come too. Motherfucker, I know how much it costs to go to Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. to a Magic Kingdom that has no dinosaurs, no dinosaurs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no fucking way you're taking kids to Costa Rica. Yeah. For like a weekend getaway and having having like yeah coupon day go fuck yourself this is delusional this is delu- delusional rich people talk this is Elon right. Musk talk yeah when when he thinks I, of of poor people or just you know people who aren't rich he's talking about the people who make two hundred thousand dollars a year 
he's that, talking about the lawyer Gennaro. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah your, your your kids will be able to make it. Surely, sure, right, sure. Um, do you think? I, I think Malcolm fucks up getting out of the jeep with the flare. I thought. I think Grant had that handled. He had that flare. The T Rex oh, was onto the enclosure. He was completely distracted, and Malcolm decided, "I can't let this guy show me up. Uh-huh. I gotta throw a flare too." And he almost gets himself killed. I think that's a cell phone by Malcolm, and I I don't. I, I feel like. I think the movie explicitly wants me to think that Malcolm's a bit of a fuck up because they could have shot it in a way that like, yeah, distracted T-Rex for a moment, but now Grant's out of position and the T-Rex is back on the kids and they didn't. He just like yeah. felt like a glory steal. No, it, blew it, up in his face. it shows the different types of intelligence, right? Like Malcolm might be this incredible mathematician who understands chaos theory and mm. and how life finds a way and all that. But then you've got Alan Grant who understands intricately the behaviors of of t-rexes because when you look at that scene the mistake that malcolm makes is not knowing how a t-rex sees right he 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 un, well he kind of understands it right he sees what grant's doing and he's like okay well if i wave this flare at him he'll be distracted by the flare but then malcolm continues to run after he throws it which is his fatal mistake oh almost fatal yeah. mistake yeah yeah, and just shows you that Grant knows more about this particular situation that He's they're much in, more in his than Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you know if a T Rex can see people if they're moving or not. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. Can a T Rex smell at all? Because <laughs> probably. Alan Grant is half in this guy's nostril, and he can't smell that. Oh, this is meat, or this is this is food. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. There's a little, but I mean, it, it's it, you don't notice it because the scene is so like fucking pulse, pulse pounding, and those are like the only two sour moments. But I'm like, yeah, what, what the fuck? This is what the, the hell. Yeah, that that scene is incredible. Like that T Rex coming through the the now um, useless power lines, like electrical fence. Yeah, there. I, I'm just like, I'm terrified of large cats. Uh, like being in a jungle with a large cat stalking you would be fucking horrifying. Yeah, it's a real life monster. Right? And then this thing that has teeth the size of a a, cat, a single tooth the size of an entire cat's head uh, or arm or something and like a mouthful of kitchen knives. But bigger, but bigger, a mouthful of machetes. These these things are enormous. Uh-huh. And then and the power that you see it coming through these cables with, like, there's just nothing you could do to stop this thing. You can't get no. away from it. You can't no. overpower it. You can't even really outsmart it too much unless you're Alan right. Grant. It's, it, it's a terrifying scene. And when it bu- starts busting through the top of that Jeep with the kids, oh. and the only thing between them is this shitty little plexiglass window. Yeah. yeah. God, that's scary. It's a great scene. It's such a great combination of everything the cg the practical yeah um did you get my text about dennis's slide down the waterfall i didn't yes but i didn't go back and watch this i meant to there is right as he slips and falls there is the unmistakable sound of a slide whistle <laughs> and legend has it that that was a saw that that was either the fast unspooling of the uh Oh, the winch or yeah. his shoe squeaking, but like Spielberg and the editor was listening. They thought it was funny. So they left. They could have taken it out. They just left it in. That's huh. kind of a slight, but it is. It does add 
like I'll never not notice it now. Like it does add a little bit of like a wee kind of to the scene that I that I like a lot. Huh. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it. I've never noticed it. Yeah. Uh and that's it. I'm I'm spent. I'm out of I'm I'm out of JP. Uh one other thing, one other shot that I love. Um it's a real quick one. It's when they're running away from the T-Rex in the Jeep and Neon Mountain's like must go faster. Uh Muldoon takes a look in the rearview mirror and it at the bottom, of course, like every car mirror says, is objects a mirror closer than they appear. It's so I good. Absolutely love that shot. It's just so it's much so fun. Funny. Yeah. That's Spielberg, man. He can make a fucking movie and so many different yeah. types of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh it's so weird. He's so well revered that like I kinda like he's warped back around to being like underrated. Like no one talks about him as like in the auteur conversation, really. Even though yeah. he's still making amazing. I hear that there's a massive amount of skepticism about his West Side story, but I've heard nothing but glowing reviews from that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, fucking musical. He's I'm like just like think of the last whatever the hell he wants now of his movies that I saw that he directed because he produces a shitload of stuff. He doesn't direct nearly as much anymore. It, is it no, Crystal Skull? No. It must be Crystal Skull. No, no, Ready Player One. Oh, no, he, he did West Side Story too, though. I haven't seen that. Uh, God, it's got a ninety-seven percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It just came out this week. Hmm. Um, so I definitely need to see that. But yeah, he's he's great. He's great. Maybe we should do a Spielberg series sometime. There's just so many. Like Spielberg, probably more than anyone, even Lucas in the final analysis, probably made more. Of like my core kind of kid and young man like movie watching habits like he was like uh, oh yeah. everywhere you know E.T. Jaws mm-hmm. Indiana Jones um Hook. so much stuff Jurassic yeah. Park Jurassic Park oh yeah um so anyway that's uh, Jurassic Park uh thank you very much to Sheldon who commissioned this podcast. Uh, like I said, we have a proposition. We go to support.baldmove.com. You click on the commission podcast link and you can give us cash money to talk about whatever movie or two-ish hours of visual media you would like us to talk about. It could be a television show, have people pitch video games. Uh, some, I think someone's pitched a score to us, like mm. tons, tons of different things you can do. If you look at the, 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 the array of commissions we've done before. But uh, the voyage all starts by going to support.baldmove.com and clicking the commission podcast. Thanks once again, Sheldon. This was a great. I, we've been looking forward to the day that someone would commission this podcast. You know, yeah. it's like one of those. It's like it's gonna someone's gonna pull it, the trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks for making our day. We had a lot of fun. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Later.